Um, as I was praying about what to share this morning, I, I felt um, strongly that the Holy Spirit wanted me to speak to you about uh, being tired. So did I, did, am I hearing okay? I mean, did I, is this accurate, right? You know, that, and, and I'm not talking about just being tired uh, on the outside, which is, it's understandable. I'm talking about being tired on the, on the inside. You know, because it's easy to be, get tired on the outside, right? But it's also very easy to become um, fatigued and tired on the, on the inside. Listen to what Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says. It said, let us not become weary, fatigued, tired. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So here, uh, Paul is saying, uh, don't. Don't, don't become weary in doing good. You know, you can be doing all the right things and still become weary. You, you can be doing everything, I mean, just right. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's fine. But still, you can find yourself weary. Again, we're not just talking about on the outside. We're talking about a weariness that can creep in and, and begin to take over on the, on the, on the inside. Um, I need to remind you of something that, that you probably have heard before if you've been around church a bit and, you know, you, maybe you've, you've read or you've, you, you've, you've heard preachers, teachers talk about the way that you were created, the way that you, you, you're made. And, and, and just, in, just in the event that you might have forgot, I need to remind you of the fact that um, though we are very different we're very different, right? We, we, we have, um, all have different stories. We, we have different shades of the color of our skin. We have uh, different color eyes and we have different shapes and builds. And you, we look at each other and we'll go, wow, we're just, we're just really, really different. But the reality is, well, that is true. We are different. We all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds. We're all on, you know, these different paths as far as life experiences are concerned. But the truth is, uh, we are all alike in regards to the way that God created us. I mean, say amen to that. We're, we're, all, we're all just alike. And so in, in, in uh, G- Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it's the account of um, God creating humanity, creating Adam and Eve from which all humanity would come from. And, and he said this, he said, let us create man in our image, in our image. And talking about how we're made, 1 Thessalonians five twenty three opens it up a little bit more. It gives a bit more description and a little more detail about how we were made, how we were made. And it says, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And, and may your whole spirit, everybody say spirit and soul. Everybody say soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. So Genesis 1.26 says we're created in the image of God. And then 1 Thessalonians again says there that, that gives, opens it up, unpacks it a little bit more, gives us a little more detail about the way that we're made, we're created. And it says that we're created uh, in the image of God, which God is a spirit, so we're, cre- we're creating his image. But we also live in a body, which is the most visible. We, we see our body every day. We get up and we look in the mirror and we go, wow, where'd, where'd all this gray come from? You know, and that's just in my world. I don't know about yours, but it's, it's just, where, where's this gray coming from? Well, it just happens, you know? And, and so it, that's the most visible part of us. But also, we, also, it's also important to understand that you are a spirit. Now, now nobody think that I'm weirding out up here. All right? You're like, oh, you're like a ghost or whatever. No, no, no. We're creating the image of God. 
Amen. We're creating the image of God. Well, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and if we're created in his image, then we too are what? We are spirit beings. Now, listen very closely. You are not in the earth having a, a temporary spiritual experience. You are in this earth, and you're a spirit, and you will live forever. Can somebody say amen to that? In other words, this earth time is, 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 is just a portion of time that we're alive. But, but the moment that you pass away, I, had a, a, I call him my papa. He passed away the other day. He, not my blood grandfather. He was my, kind, of, kind of like a spiritual grandfather to me. He, he passed away on uh, early Saturday morning, yesterday morning. And uh, Mr. Stanley, and, and the last time I saw Mr. Stanley, um, he was 96 years old. And the last time I saw him, he was talking about his wife. Miss Billy, she had already gone to heaven. And, and, and so, uh, so there was a glorious reunion yesterday morning, right? So Mr. Stanley, he took his last breath in his body. And, and, but he, you know what? His spirit man, his inner man, guess what happened? To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the what? The Lord. Why did that happen? Because we're creating the image of God. We are, we are eternal beings. Just... That's who we are. That's the way God made us. But also, we have a soul. This is what I want to talk about this morning. We have, we have a soul, and it's really composed of, it's composed of our mind. It, 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 our soul enables us to think. It enables us to reason. It, 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 it enables us to, to wander, you know, and to have this imagination. How many in here has an imagination? Yeah, well, that, that's, that's just part of your soul. It's the, the state of your, it's where your feelings come from, the, the, the feeling of fear and sometimes worry and anger and, and happiness. And, and, and so that's what, that's what it really makes up also our kind of our personality. You know, we have, we have two, two new grandbabies, five and six months old, and we can already see the two different personalities, you know, that are already forming them. It's, it, and that's, where, that's what our soul is. And it's what our soul is about. And that's what, what makes us, in a way, who we are. But ultimately, what I want you to see is, is that, that God has made you, he's created you, he's created all of us the same. And the, the fact is that we all live from the inside out. We're designed to live from the, the, the inside out. Now, listen, if you don't understand this, if you're not conscious of this, and you don't live in light of this reality, or maybe you forget it, what will happen is, is that the enemy will take great advantage of that, of the fact that you've forgotten it, or you've forgotten the importance of the value of living from the inside out. The reason I say that is the one thing that the enemy has access to is your soul. Now, before you're like, first you tell me I'm a spirit being, and then you're talking about the devil, you know, and, and how he has access to my, my soul and my mind. But what I mean to, by that is, is that wherever you go, what, what, your eyes are open, you're hearing things, you're seeing things that, that feed your soul. I mean, you know, like social media, we have these what? We have these feeds. They call them feeds. The reason they call them feeds is what? They use them, they use these things as avenues to feed you. What they want you to hear and how they want you to do what they, uh, don't even get me started on that. But my point is, is that we are, we, we are uh, spiritual beings, but we also have this soul. And if we don't understand the importance of uh, keeping an eye on our soul, and we'll talk more about that in a moment, the enemy will take great advantage of that. 
You know, I think I've told the story before, I think, um, of, of um, the time I went to uh, Hawaii and I had this great understanding about myself. I, had this, I discovered something magnificent about myself that I didn't know I was really struggling with until I got to Hawaii. And I almost didn't go, but my wife forced me to go to a conference. Actually, it was a practicum. And when I was there, I was with a, a pastor. Uh, his name was Wayne Cordero. And uh, we were sitting around uh, one day after lunch. It was like a three-day practicum. We were sitting around, about five or six of us were sitting around after lunch one day. And we were talking about um, the importance of, you know, recharging and paying attention to the, on, to the inside and things like that. And he made a statement. He said, you know, really, I'm, I'm an introvert. And, and I knew what the word introvert means. I knew what that personality type is. I, I got that. And, but then also I went, no, nah, I don't think so. He's, you know, he's the other side of it. He's just such a great people person. And I mean, he's just like, if you sit down with him, he makes you feel like a million bucks. He's just, just that, cry, that kind of a guy, kind of a man. And, and then he said, he, said, he said, you know, I have to get away from people. There are times I don't like people. And I'm thinking, oh, hold on a second. You're a pastor. Pastor people, you know, sheep. No, shepherd, sheep, you know, they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to kind of work together. And but then on the other side of it, I was like, that's me sometimes. That, that's me sometimes because there are times that I would find myself before that point, I would find myself like, I don't want to be around people. And then it was almost, I would say almost by accident, also probably to, to, to save people from me strangling them. I, I, would, I would be like, I just got to get away for a bit. I just, I just got to disconnect for a bit. And, and when he said that, he talked about recharging and there were times he would just be about edgy and, and because he was, you know, he was so going so hard in ministry and always giving out and all these different things. And he said, that I, I realized that I would have to get away because I recharge when I'm away. And it was at that moment that I realized this is one of the reasons I came to Hawaii right here to hear him say that. Because for years, again, I would feel guilty when I didn't like people. I'm a pastor and it seemed like when I would, when I would start feeling this way, I may even mention it to Sandy, it's like, I don't even want to be around people. It was like the enemy would just, you know, start over here. He would take advantage of me saying that. And I began to condemn myself. And at times it was just like, ah, I'm broken. I'm messed up. But when I got there and I heard that pastor that was a seasoned man of God, I realized I'm not messed up. That's just the way that I'm wired. Are you following me? So my point is, is the enemy took great advantage of the fact that I didn't realize how I was wired on the inside. Are you following me this morning? And if, if we don't realize that we're wired to live from the inside out, that we have a soul, what happens is, again, the enemy will take great advantage of this. And watch this. You'll get tired on the inside and you will live in that state of weariness. You'll just, you'll get tired on the inside. Your soul will become tired and you'll just live in that place of weariness. So this morning, I want to take just a few minutes. I want to talk to you about one of the main culprits of weariness, of becoming tired on the inside. And and that is, that's worry, anxiety, the fatigue that that comes because of, of worrying and being anxious constantly and consistently just overwhelmed with the, 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 the weight of the world and all of these different things going on. Listen to me. Uh, worry will weary you. It will, 
it will tap you, it will, do, it will get on the inside of you. So let me just take a few moments and talk with you about worry. And so if you're, if you're a note taker this morning, here you go. Ready for the first point? Now, typically I do three. I've only got two this morning, so I'm gonna throw you. I've only got two. I'm still gonna go about an hour and a half with my two points, but I'm just joking. <laughs> the first thing is you gotta recognize it. You, you gotta recognize worry. You, you got to recognize what's going on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Jesus is speaking here, here. He says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, this is Jesus speaking, right? Again, he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. But God, Jesus, you don't know what's going on in my world. You have no clue as to what's going on in my world. Do you know what? If you said that to Jesus, I believe, if I said that to Jesus, because I've said it before, Jesus, you don't know what's going on in my world. You wouldn't have said that if you only knew what's going on in my world. Do you know what he would say? The same thing. He would say, do not worry. Do not worry. I mean, we could, we could leave right now and have a word from heaven, right? Do not worry. Jesus would say the same thing. Do not what? Do not worry about your, your life. Now, he didn't say that we're not to be responsible for our life. Some people are like, yes. I've been waiting on this message forever. I can just not worry about anything. I don't not be responsible, you know, about anything. That, that's not what the Bible says. It, it, it says that, 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 that he didn't say that we should not be responsible. Just don't carry the weight of it. Just don't carry, don't carry the weight of it because the weight of worry will make you weary. It will make you tired on the inside. So what happens often is the believers just, they just sort of accept it. Like worry is just a part of my life. How many has been around professional worriers? I've got some in my family, like a family reunion or a gather or whatever. Do not ask them how they're doing. You might have walked in the place happy, everything's great. You will walk out depressed after you leave that conversation with them because it's just like, worry, 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 worry. But the truth is, everybody listen to me. Everybody listen. Worry should never be the norm for a believer. Worry should never be the norm for, for, for the believer. You know, some things may be common, but that doesn't mean they're supposed to be normal. Worry in the, it's, it's common today. I mean, you, 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 you talk to people, what are some of the big things that are going on right now? Well, you've got, you know, in, in our area here, you've got still recovery from the hurricane, you know, and then you've got COVID and then father help us in heaven. We got elections. <laughs> help us, Jesus. Let me just tell you about the elections. Here's, here's, here's what I encourage you to do. If you hadn't vote, vote. And you vote according to your values. It's just that easy. And everybody, and then the church said, amen. amen. So you gotta learn to recognize it. So, so the question is, how do, how do I recognize that? How do I recognize that I'm worried? Well, number one, you got to, you got to monitor what you're thinking. You got, you got to monitor it. You know, we, we monitor a lot of things, we don't even realize it. Here's what I want to say about monitoring things. You monitor what's important to you. You'll always monitor what is important to you. How many, how many, how many monitors, how much gas you have in your car? If you don't, you should. Are you going to be one of those folks on the side of the road? Right? How, how many monitors your bank account? Oh, yeah. 
We, we monitor how many likes we get on social media. We monitor that. Again, we've got two babies, a five and a six month old. And, and I, I've, I've, I mean, they got all sorts of cool stuff now for babies that we didn't have when our kids were. I mean, they got all kinds of stuff. I'm not even going to go into certain things that I have discovered that they have made, you know, for kids that I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that. Just little things to remove excess. <laughs> Ain't happening. And then they got these cool baby monitors. They're like the video camera things. I love that. I think that's cool because you can just sit there and you can just watch the baby and the baby is what? Why? Because that baby's important. We're going to monitor that, right? So there are all kinds of things that we monitor, but how important and how often do you monitor your thought life? Again, listen, to, here's why this is so important. Because your mind is the one thing that the enemy has access to. So in your thought life, are you thinking more what ifs? What if this happens? How many ever had a runaway what if? You know what I'm talking about? One of those runaway what ifs. What if this happens? And if this happens, then what if that happens? What if that happens? What if that happens? I mean, before long, you're way over here to about this disaster. I mean, it started over here like this little bitty thing, right? And you're, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And you're all the way over here to, oh my gosh, it's, what if? Yeah, it's the worst case scenario. How often do you have those what if runaways? You monitor that? Or, or do you have more of the, it is? It is. It's going to be good. It is going to be good because my God's faithful. It is going to be fine because my God is a big God. Come on now. You got you to gotta, you gotta recognize it and you got you to learn to, to, to catch it. Let me give you a scripture. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, listen, watch this, think about what? Such what? Things. Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. And able, watch this, to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. To do what? To judge the what? The thoughts. Judge your thoughts. Monitor our thoughts. And you're probably thinking, oh, Pastor John, you're up there preaching because you have perfected this. <laughs> oh, no, I haven't. Because I'm preaching to me right now. There are times I have to remind myself, John, no what if, it's what is. No what if, it's only what is. All right? So, second thing you need to do, all right, you've got to recognize, recognize, monitor your thoughts. The second one is, you've got to have resolve. In other words, you have to determine that you are going to have a plan and you're going to live this plan out. Because listen, worry will not just disappear and the weariness that comes from it won't go away unless you do something about it. Now, if you like being fatigued and drained on the inside and living your life that way, then just have at it, right? 
But it, you don't have to live that way. We as Christians do not have to live that way. Can somebody say amen to that? We don't have to live. We have options. And so you have to decide, what are you going to do about it? So the question is, well, what do I do about it then? What's the plan, Pastor John? What, give, me, give, me, give me some idea. Well, the answer really is in, in an invitation that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew chapter 11, 28, Jesus stands up and listen to this. I love this. He says, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. I will give you what? I will give you what? Rest. I will give you what? Rest. To who? People that are weary and burdened. Jesus said, I have something for you. How many are thankful that we serve a God that has things for us that can help us in our everyday life? I know we're going to get help in the sweet by and by, but I'm thankful that we serve a God that helps us in the nasty now and now. Come on now. The word rest there, he said, I, I, will, I will ease the weight of it. I will, I will relieve you. I'll make it easier for you. How many could use some easy stuff? Easier. He, he said, I'll re, it means I'll refresh. I'll re, the word rest means I'll refresh your soul. I'll re, how, how, many, how many knows what it feels like to be refreshed? How many's ever had a, a, a hot, hot winter day and you, you go over to the water hose and you turn that water hose on and you just, you drink a little bit and you put it all over your head. Anybody remember those days? I, I know today kids can't drink out of the water hose. I'm like, what's, what's wrong with drinking out of water hose? That's all kind of bad stuff in there. So. Forget it. Drink out of the water hose, son. It's good for you. <laughs> but that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, look, I've got something for you. If you're weary, you're burdened. I've got something for you. I've got rest. I can help you. Now, so what, but what, what you have to hear here is this, is that Jesus is saying, this is what I'm willing to do for you folks that are weary. Folks that are burdened, this is what I'm willing to do for you. I'm willing to give you rest. Then next, he shifts gears and says, now, here comes your part. How many knows that if we do our part, God's always, always going to do his? Right? So he says, this is what I'm offering. But next, he said, now, here's your part. Are you ready for this? He said, take my yoke upon you. Stop right there. Now, for first century readers, first century believers, when they heard this, take my yoke, it, was, it just made perfect sense to them. 21st century believers, we don't, may not get this. So I'm, let me explain a little bit about what Jesus meant by that in, in regards to what a yoke is. A yoke is an instrument that a farmer would use to connect two animals together. He would go over their shoulders and, and they would, the, the farmer would take an oxen here and, and put another ox here and he would take this yoke and put over their shoulders. And then that yoke was connected to a plow or something else that they would use for agricultural progress. So, so you know, some people, some people would be like, well, you know, Jesus, I don't need a yoke. I need a mattress. Jesus, I don't need a yoke. I need a vacay. That's what I need. I don't know yoke. I mean, you're talking about work. You're talking about putting something on me and you're talking about work and you don't, don't you understand that I'm burdened already. 
I need some rest. I need a vacation. I don't need a yoke. But when you really understand what Jesus is saying there, it, it, it makes sense. Because what Jesus was saying there is, is he, says, he, did, he said, don't take just any yoke. He said, take my yoke. Are you following that? In other words, Jesus says, I'm already in the yoke. You come and get on the other side with me. Are you following this? If you're weary, burdened, Jesus says, I'm in the yoke. You come get in with me. Let me put it another way. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, come to me if you're weary and you're burdened and let's get connected and let's do life together. Now get this. Jesus is not going to get in your yoke. He's not going to get in your yoke. You got to get in his. Can somebody say amen to that? In other words, people want to make up their own version of Christianity and how God works. It doesn't work that way, ladies and gentlemen. Can I say that again? It doesn't work that way, ladies and gentlemen. You can't make up your version and expect God to honor that. God has a version that he works by. And the version that we're talking about right now is that he has this yoke. He's in the yoke. You come and get in with him. And the two of you can do life together. Is anybody a little excited about the fact that Jesus, Jesus, the son of God, is giving us the invitation to come and and, and to do life together instead of us trying to pull through life all by ourselves? Anybody excited about that? Thank you. So I know you online right now are going crazy. Just in the chat room right now going, we are going crazy. This is so good. I'm just word from heaven. So Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. He's not finished though. Then he says, learn from me. Learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Watch this. And you will find rest for your what? In other words, come on, get in the yoke with me. Now, now that it's in the yoke with me, you've got to learn from me. Learn some stuff from Jesus. And he says specifically that I am gentle and I am humble in what? Heart. So Jesus said, come on, get in the yoke with me. Let's do life together. I'm going to teach you some things. Number one, you've got to be gentle. What does that mean? That's another word for meek, right? What that simply means is you've got to be teachable. Jesus says it so nice. I'm going to say it another way. What Jesus is really saying is, is, is get, get in the yoke with me and, and learn from me because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you, just, you don't know what you're doing. Let me teach you some things about life. How many of you know that Jesus can teach you some things about life? He knows about life, right? He knows about life. He knows how to do life, right? So he says, get in the yoke with me and I'm going to teach you some things. Number one is be teachable. And he also says, learn from me because I am humble in heart. I'm humble in heart. That, that means I am willing to, to, put, to put myself beneath somebody else. I'm willing to put myself beneath somebody. Humility says this, I can't handle this God, but you can. Do you know sometimes the most proud people are the most desperate people? Because they say, no, I don't need help. I can do this on my own. 
Listen, if that's going on in your world, kill that. Kill that. Learn. Even Jesus had to put himself under God's hand in order to, to overcome the greatest challenge any human would ever face is called the death, burial, and resurrection. He had to submit his life to the Father, not my will, but what? Your will. In other words, I am putting myself under you, God. Humility says, God, this is much bigger than me, but it's not bigger than you. This is so much bigger than me, God, but it is not, it is not bigger than you. That's the reason 1 Peter 5, 6 says, be humble, trust, be willing to trust God under God's powerful hand. So he will lift you up when the, when the right time comes, give all your worries to him because he cares about what you again, be humble under God's powerful hand, be gentle, be, be teachable. As I wrap up this morning, let me remind you of a guy by the name of Naaman. It was his life, a portion of his life is recorded in 2 Kings. And Naaman was a great commander and um, had just so many uh, triumphs and so many victories. I mean, he had a great resume as far as the military. Being a military commander was, uh, was concerned. And so one, one day he wakes up and he realizes he's got an enemy that he can't beat. There's something going on in his life, going actually in his body. He can't beat this. It's called leprosy. And in that time, if you got leprosy, if you discovered you had leprosy, it was basically over. There was no cure. You were going to be isolated by, from everybody that you cared the most about, that you cared about. I mean, it was, it was a life of isolation and a very long, slow death. You know, sometimes we think we have it, have it bad and then we, we, we read and think about Naaman, right? And so, so obviously he mentioned it to his wife and, 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 and the word kind of circulated throughout the household. He had servants and, and, and people that just waited on him and all these things. Well, there was, a, there was a little servant girl that was from Israel, from God's chosen people. She heard about Naaman. And you know what she said? <laughs> God's bigger than this. God can take care of this. She said, there's a, there's a prophet in Israel. All you got to get to is get to the man of God, get to the prophet. And this leprosy is going to be done, be in the books for you. I don't think she said it that way, but. So, Elijah, excuse me. So Naaman makes his way to Elisha's house and a servant comes out. One of Elisha's servant. Elisha was a prophet, man of God. And um, he said, um, servant said to Naaman, Naaman, just go, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and you'll be good. And, and, and we're, again, we're talking about Jesus said, learn from me because I am gentle, teachable, humble. God, you, I can't, but you can. Gentle, teachable, Right? So he gets the news, then listen to verse 11. It says, but Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. Talking about the prophet. In other words, he was a commander. He wasn't used to being treated that way. 
He said, I expected him. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't there rivers of Damascus and Abana and Farpar better than any of these rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman, watch this, turned and he went away in rage. In rage. You, know, you know what that's a picture of? He just wasn't teachable. Couldn't tell him anything. Remember Jesus said, get in my yoke with me and learn from me. Be gentle, be teachable. You say, but I've been walking with God for a long time. Listen, there's still more that you can learn and know. Can I have a better amen than that? Then there was a friend that came up to him and thank God for friends, all right? Thank God for people in our lives that will speak to us when we're doing the stupid. 2 Kings 5.13, they came to him and they said, look, but his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Somebody spoke to him and spoke some sense into his life. That's one of the reasons we have life groups, to build relationships, because I've said this for so long. Look, we're all one step away from doing something stupid. All of us. We know the rest of the story. Naaman finally listened. He finally chose to be teachable. And he went over to the River Jordan. He did once, twice, three, four, five, six. No change. Then seven times when he came up, he was clean. Why? Because he was willing to listen. He was willing to learn. So what's God saying today? What's he saying right now? Are you weary from worry? That's what he's asking you. Are you weary? You're worn out? You're tired? What Jesus is saying right now, he's saying, okay, come to me. Just come on. But you, you, don't, you don't know how bad it is, Pastor John. I don't. I, I don't. But I know somebody who does. And I'm not the one giving you the invitation. It's Jesus that's giving you the invitation. I am just happen to be the mouthpiece this morning. He's giving you the invitation. He's saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Watch this. And you will find rest for your souls. Again, the, the word rest there, another meaning for it is just to take a break. How many in this room need a break? I bet you do. First Peter 5, 6 and 7 again. Be humble. Under God's powerful hand, so he will lift you up when the right time comes. Verse 7. Give all your worries to him because he cares about you. What God has sent to you this morning is, look, I love you so very much. You cast the, get in the yoke with me, Jesus. Because I love you and I want to be close to you and I want to do life with you. Let me help you with life. Let me help you with life Father we come to you right now in the name of Jesus 
Father, one of the things that you have given us in our souls is the ability to choose, to make a choice. And so, Father, right now, we've, we, we, we hear clearly what you're asking us to do. We're, we're very, 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 very aware of this invitation that you've given us. If we're weary in our souls, we're tired in our souls, that you've given us invitation to hook up with you, to do life your way. And to learn from you and that you begin to flood our souls. You refresh our souls. You wash away all of the the residue of worry and you replace it with peace. You refresh our souls and, 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 and where there was turmoil in our souls, there's now clarity. There's frustration. There's just a peace because we're yoked up with you. There's so many things that we can't do, but because we're yoked with you, all things are possible. So, Father, I just thank you right now. I believe that people are making some decisions right now to take you up on your offer, Father. To take up, take uh, the take up the offer, Jesus, that you are offering, and to stop trying to do life just our way and do it with you, because it's much easier that way. So I just believe, Father, right now for a supernatural work of the souls that are in this room, the supernatural work of the souls that are watching online right now. Father, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor as we cast our cares on you, as we're hooked to you, Jesus. Things are changing and things are turning around. And we're also spirit experiencing what only you can do. And that it's a soul that's got rest and peace and joy that comes from you. In the matchless name of Jesus Christ, everybody that agrees says a great big amen. So I got to know something. Did I hear from the Holy Spirit okay in regards to this message? Sometimes I like a little feedback.